Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the NRV Life on Mission podcast. The Life on Mission podcast is practical conversations focused on equipping followers of Christ to live on mission by teaming up and being the church. Reach out to us with questions or topics you would like us to discuss. You can reach out on our Facebook page, NRV Life on Mission, or send us an email at nrvlifeonmission at gmail.com. And now let's head on over to the heart of the New River Valley and take a listen to today's episode. Guys, welcome back to episode number 19 of the NRV Life on Mission podcast, a podcast that uses coffee, humor, and the Bible uh, to have practical conversations with followers of Jesus, especially in rural areas like here in Southwest Virginia or wherever you may be uh, across the whole entire planet. We hope that you're listening. I have no idea if we're list- we have listeners outside the United States, but we sure hope so. If you are, Welcome to the family. And so uh, we're excited today. We have, um, if you're watching on Facebook Live, you'll notice we have the same team as we had last week. It went so good talking about our quiet time. We invited Jared and Craig back to the table, and we told everyone to wear the exact same outfits for the second week in a row. <laughs> Just kidding. We recorded this the same day as the last one. So anyways, Jared, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Yeah, glad to be here, guys. <laughs> and Craig, how you yeah, doing, man? Doing well. Doing well. Appreciate the invite. <laughs> Good stuff. And Dave Ferris, how you doing today? I'm doing well, man. I'm good. Man, we had some great conversations last week about uh, a quiet time. And if you're listening today, you didn't listen to that episode, I seriously mean this. Go back and listen to it. We yeah. There's a lot of good wisdom that was shared that day. And, um, you know, if, if you took anything from that episode and you've applied it this past week, we would love to hear from you. Yeah, like send us a message, any of us privately or our Facebook page, yeah. or in, we just or celebrate in the comment section right now and, and just encourage others um, to, to glean from what we talked about last week. Um, but today we want to talk about sharing your faith story, or what most people might know as your testimony. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think sometimes we, if we were to go up to someone, or even someone come up to us and we say, hey. I need you to share your testimony here in two minutes before we start tonight's service, but you only have a five-minute span, right? Our mind is going all sorts of ways, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And some people be, some people are even intimidated when we ask them to share their story. And so today we want to debunk that. We want to talk, we want to talk about how you share your story and the importance of sharing your story and your testimony. And so let's just jump right into it. Uh, we kind of talked before the episode today that your testimony is broken into three different parts to make it easy for you to remember what your testimony is. And step number one, and I'll let you guys, I'll, I'll mention the step and you guys take it off. Step number one is you've got to describe who you were before Christ. Mm. Mm. There it is. Curveball's out there. Who's going to swing first? So... Um, one of the one of the things that I hear often, and I'll just get this part started, is um, the life before Christ. So you have, we all have different stories with different backgrounds, and you have some that are saved earlier on in life, <clears throat> and then you have some that are saved much later in life, and uh, you have some with testimonies that are, um, you know, a little um, shorter, maybe you could say, when they're saved a little bit earlier in age, and then some that entail quite a bit more years of running from God and the baggage that comes with it. Um, and uh, But the important thing that we are wanted to you know, place today is that, um, is that there's not what God uses your story uh, in ways that you could never imagine in, yeah. in so many different ways, whether you think it's boring or not, like I got saved when I was five years old. Um, and and to, to illustrate that, I think um, 
my dad's personal testimony includes um, includes just the importance of of God using somebody else's story. I'll tell it as super fast as I can. But my dad was in college. Uh, he was running away from the Lord and um, just kind of doing his own thing. Um, and somebody, one of his roommates, came up to him and uh, and shared with him his story. And what he told him was, he said, Rick, um, when I was seven years old, God saved me. And Jesus has so satisfied my heart that I've never had to search for anything else. And my dad said that that hit him in his heart like a ton of bricks because my dad had been pursuing everything, anything and everything, trying to find fulfillment and 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 satisfaction in his life, and he couldn't find it anywhere else, and he was coming up empty. And when that that guy shared that simple testimony is that I was a seven-year-old kid, and God so satisfied my heart that I never had to look for it anywhere else. Uh, and then that actually spurred my dad to go think, wow. And so he went and went outside and began to pray and said, God, I want that. Mm-hmm. And so that simple testimony, seven-year-old boy getting saved, um, radically uh, impacted my dad's life. That's a good point. It reminds me of that John Piper quote, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. So anyway, all that, on that point is uh, life before Jesus. Whether that life was when you were, you know, the first five years of your life or the first 55 years of your life, um, we all have we're all at the same starting point, and that is we're enemies of God. Mm-hmm. We're far away, separated from Him, alienated from Him. Mm-hmm. Um, children of wrath, as Ephesians two talks about. Um, yeah, lost, yeah, hopeless, absolutely. Yep. All those are, are terms that you can use to describe <clears throat> your life before Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked before this episode how there's many people out there, and this could be you right now. You'd be saying, "My my testimony's boring." And, you know, Craig, you mentioned a few things for the episode. You can go ahead and share it. Like how there's no testimony. That's what you're saying, Jared. There's no testimony that's boring, is there? No matter how young you're saved. No, not at all. And I think sometimes what happens to us is, you know, we'll we'll see someone in our community get saved or maybe on a national news program or something give their testimony. And it's this amazing testimony, you know, either of getting saved out of 20 years of drug addiction or, you know, something that would be like over the top to us. And I I think about like the testimony of Nicky Cruz. Um, He was the leader of the Mau Mau gang in New York. David Wilkerson goes to New York. He begins to preach the gospel on the street and he's confronted by Nicky Cruz and Nicky is going to kill him. And David Wilkerson looks at him and says, you know, you can cut me up into a thousand pieces and every piece on the ground will scream out at you, Jesus loves you. And in that moment of love, Nicky Cruz knelt down, dropped his switchblade, and he gets saved. And, and so we hear a testimony like that, and we do sometimes maybe fall into that trap of, well, you know, what do I have to give or what do I have to share? You know, my testimony isn't really a testimony. That's a testimony. But, you know, as you were bringing out earlier, Tim, all the Scripture that tells us how lost we were, how undone we were, how far away from God, you know, and and Jared, like you just pointed out, every time there's a salvation, I really believe this, it's the greatest miracle that can ever happen. That's right. More than a blind eye being opened, more than a dead person being raised to life. Mm. Spiritual rebirth. A born-again experience is the greatest miracle. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So anyone has an amazing testimony Amen if, you're, if you're saved, if you're in Christ. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Ephesians 3 says it. For we ourselves were once foolish, 
disobedient, led astray, slaves of various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. whether you're saved at six years old, truthfully, or you're saved at 68 years old. Um, no matter if you've been in a gang, you haven't been in a gang. You've been raised in a Christian life or home, and you haven't been. It, man, when, when I love how you said that, Craig. It is it is the greatest miracle. Greatest miracle. You know, some people say, God's not really doing miracles now. There's no need for it. God is doing miracles. And sure. one of the greatest miracles yes. is bringing someone from death to life spiritually. Yes. And we should be excited about that. It, I'm getting Amen. pumped up right now. You're talking about it right now. I believe you could preach right now, Tim. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to go. <laughs> and so, but... Um, but step number one is is understanding who you are before Christ, and there's no no dead spot uh, with that. So, uh, anything else to add, kind of to that, you know, who we were before Christ? Yeah, I, I think this might segue into the second phase of that. But you know, growing up in a a rural conservative Christianese kind of culture, it's. Uh, and and I I want to be cautious not to not to put on like a hat of judgment, but uh, I think it's 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 dangerous growing up in an environment like that to where you're under this veil of Christianity, so that just because you go to church or you have heard about Jesus or you've sang some songs or you know, you've gone to camp or whatever that experience has been. For many folks growing up in the Bible Belt, um, to feel like we are a Christian, mm-hmm. and and so a lot of folks are you know hearing something like this or hear us you know preach about it on a Sunday, and can't quite relate to it, but don't know why we they can't relate to it, and it's 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 because maybe because they're still in that before Christ season of life and so understanding that we're still going to sin we're still going to make mistakes it's a journey it's a process well however you want to describe that growth from the conversion the justification point through sanctification and maturity it's it's a process but the the everybody has to come to a point where do i have a before jesus season of life or is there a possibility I'm still in it? Mm-hmm. And and that's a that's a sobering reality that we don't want to assess. Yep. And yet, how much of a risk are we taking by not being willing to assess that? Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm not saying we should walk around constantly questioning questioning where we are. But if you look over the landscape of your life, is there a is there a season where you didn't care to live for the glory of God? Yeah. Is there a season where you could just like even cognitively say, "I don't care about growing into the image of Jesus"? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're still there, then then there very likely is a chance that you are still in that before Christ experience season of life. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so understand that there's hope within that because maybe this point of conviction is the point where you need to get on your knees and cry out to the God of your salvation. Yeah. which is only in Jesus Christ. And, and so I, I think we need to love each other enough to have those hard conversations, not in a place of judgment, but in a place of, of love and care for each other's soul. Mm-hmm. Um, not to just wear a veil of Christianity because that's the uh, presumed culture around here, but because 
I know the God of the universe sent his only son to die for me because otherwise I have no hope in eternity, Mm -hmm. despite how I am or who I am. And so that's, and and maybe that's, I don't know if that's the right place for that statement. No doubt. But I I think we've got to get to a point where we don't just play God on a Sunday morning or play a Christian on a Sunday morning, but it is a, it is a Mm -hmm. die to self. It's no longer... I who lives, but Christ who lives in me kind of a person who I am trying to live for the glory of God, albeit I fail every day along the way. Yeah. And I have to rest in grace and repentance and confession and all that. But I think it would it would behoove us um, if we don't have a clear before Jesus season of life, whether that's six years of life or 60 years of life, that we need to really be seeking the Lord in clarification in that. Yeah. Um, because I think of, and I, I was going to say this till the end, I'll go ahead and throw it out there, man. One of my, one of my favorite examples of um, sharing Christ in, in stories or through their life, I, Samaritan woman, woman at the well, is by far my favorite. But, man, Peter and John in, in Acts... Where, where they're standing before this incredibly intimidating religious crowd, and, and they, they know they're just untrained, ordinary men, but they could tell that they've been with Jesus. And mm-hmm. in Peter's response, after being told again to shut up and quit talking about Jesus, he's, he's like, I'm sorry, do what you need to do, but we cannot help but speak of what we've seen and heard. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 there is so much power in that statement that I feel like, man, if, if there's a before Jesus and an experience with Jesus, man, how can we not help but be able to tell in various bits and pieces, depending on context and who we're talking to, we cannot help but talk of what about what we've seen and heard and experienced in our own life. Amen. Amen. Yeah, no, that's, that's very appropriate for right now. It does segue into the second part of sharing your testimony, but I want to say, and this could be a challenge I want to throw out there for everyone listening today. I did this when I was in youth ministry, we would periodically just pass out note cards or pieces of paper and challenge the youth group to fill in who you were before Christ, when you met Christ, and what are you doing now with Christ. And that's obviously the three things we're going to talk about today. And I think that was one of the most if, uh, evangelistic times we had in youth ministry. Every single time, we'd have a few of them like, I don't know. Like, I just I don't know what to put down. And... And so we were just able to dive right in. These are kids that were coming to youth group weekly, and we're like, well, why, why don't you know? Where are you at? And they're like, I guess I'm back here. I don't know Christ. And so we, and so everyone listening right now, take, accept the challenge. Put a piece of paper down and write down who you were before Christ, when did you meet Christ, and what are you doing now with Christ. But then, let's go back to the second part, when we met Christ. And, um, and like Dave said, that moment, and then following up the verse that I read earlier, we were once, we were once, we were once, we were once, and all those descriptions, foolish, disobedient, hatred. And I love verse 4, the first two words, but God. If you don't have a but God moment, man, your life is not enriched. Like we mentioned last week, like you are still in that first part where you're just you're stuck in your flesh but the but those are the greatest two words in scriptures i believe is when it says but god stepped in but god when his loving kindness appeared in our life changes everything changes everything and that's second that's the second step of your testimony who you were before christ and when you met christ there's got to be that time 
Yeah. And we're not saying you've got to memorize it was Thursday, July 15th at 11.48 a.m. You don't have to have that moment, do you? It doesn't have to be that way. Who Was it, and help me out, I'm, I'm bad on my history on it. Was, it, was it Wesley who was actually like preaching and like he was in ministry and then he's coming across from England on a boat and they're in a storm and he's scared to death about dying mm. and over in the corner of the boat there's a Puritan family who's just praying mm. and the, the, the parents are just huddled up with their kids and they're just praying and and he was t- saying that as part of his testimony that that's when he really realized wow. what true faith in God was wow. and so after however many seasons of ministry he was already in like he basically <laughs> gave his life to, to Christ right there on that ship in the middle of a storm Right? Yeah. was it Wes I don't even I don't does that sound familiar to you guys at all yes it does I think I, I can't remember if it's Wesley or not We'll have someone comment and let it's, us know. Yeah, but. <laughs> for sure. Learn your history, Ferris. <laughs> Come on, preacher. You're all four of y'all up at the table and you don't know anything about Christian history. <laughs> but uh, no, absolutely. So, and that that's a key point, like kind of what you're just mentioning. Like we've grown up in an area where Christianity is a thing that you do, but you've got to personally have your but God moment in your life. Yeah. I think uh, when I look at the different examples in Scripture, um, the emphasis is not necessarily on the date. It's the um, it's the it's that it happened. It's the reality. In other words, the question is: Are you a follower of Jesus? The experience. And and if and the answer is either yes, I'm following Jesus, or I'm not. Um, And we so whenever I'm we do a lot of uh, mission trips and mission work, and so we we do actually sort of train the same the same way. Train people to, to share their testimony, their story before Jesus, how you met Jesus, and then your life since. Um, and but the emphasis, because again, I have people ask me, well, well, wait, I can't remember the exact date, and so I just go back. Well, has there been a time in your life when you've surrendered your life and your heart to Jesus? And they'll say, well, yeah, definitely. And and they'll say, well, what what what, what was that like? Well, man, and then they'll begin tell me, and they'll realize, okay, well. It was during this season of life. It was during this moment. It was when this happened. It was, and the mind will go back to a moment when you know God began working in their life and their heart, mm-hmm. and where they can mm-hmm. pinpoint to that a single like sinner's prayer moment, or they can see it as an experience of God showing revealing Himself over time. Progressive and sanctification, sure. And um, you know we see that in Scripture that the idea of of as we are being saved and um, sort of that. Um, that tension that Paul talks about. So, um, yeah, so I, I don't think you actually have to have that, you know, it was July 4th on you know, this specific date. But you do have to know. You do have to know that, yes, I am a follower of Jesus. My sins are forgiven. It's not something that we should wonder or question about. Yeah. Amen. We should have certainty on it. Well, it's how we can yeah. have joy and freedom, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And I think there's uh, several different aspects of salvation. You know, we can say, I was saved. And that was a moment of justification Mm -hmm. where God forgives you of your sins just as if you'd never had any. And then, you know, you can also say, I'm being saved. Mm -hmm. And that's sanctification. I've heard you mention that a couple of times, how important that is. You know, the Bible says that we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. We ought to be pursuing him and to live more like he lived. So that's sanctification then, but it's also true that you can say, I am going to be saved, and that's glorification. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's when, you know, this mortality puts on immortality, yeah. and we get a new spiritual body, and w- what a time that will be. Amen. But, but we do need to have that moment 
where we can say, I was saved. I won't need any more morning juice. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no more need. <laughs> Hold that back. I didn't, I didn't say it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a day that will be, though, for sure, man. That will be. Into that. But, yeah. you know, because the devil is going <laughs> to come along and you're going to have doubts and fears and everything else in your life, and you need to be able to point back to that time and say, it was at this moment where I surrendered to Christ. Mm-hmm. I received his forgiveness, his grace, because I trusted in him and I put my faith in him. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's powerful. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and I've, I've had a lot of conversations lately, and this is maybe a side conversation too, um, we, because Christians, you know, we, we, we're, we're told we can't judge and, you know, there's only one judge and, and, I, and I, you're not wrong in saying that, but we are called to hold each other accountable. Yeah. And so as people come up and ask me, like, how do I, how do I handle this situation? You know, one of my first, and I, I've, I've gotten to the point where I feel like asking questions is almost always better than, than making assumptions. Yeah. And so what, what I counsel a lot of them in is, you know, do you, do you know that they are a follower of Jesus? If they're not a follower of Jesus, then then obviously there's no desire to, to live for the glory of God and grow into the image of Jesus. But if they would at least cognitively claim that, then you have biblical grounds to lovingly, graciously, prayerfully, like, hold them accountable in their sin. And yeah. so, you know, that's another kind of a self-assessment for, for folks of, like, well, you can't judge me. Well, it depends. Like, if you would claim that, like, you're trying to grow into the person that God desires you to be, then you have to know that you're stumbling along the way just like I am, and we need each other to, to help lean on each other, to call out our blind, our spiritual blind spots, to, to not in a way to put you down or throw you under the bus, but because I love you enough to... to to mention these things, and I want you to love me enough to mention the things in my life that I can't see mm-hmm. or that maybe I see and I just don't want to see. Mm-hmm. And, and so understanding that we're on that journey mm-hmm. of sanctification toward glorification, that, man, we, we do take a step forward and two steps back and two steps forward and a step back, and that's that, again, ties into the need to be in a local church who's mm-hmm. going to love yeah. you enough through that journey. They're not going to rake you over the coals for sin, but as long as there's repentance, we know that God is faithful and just to forgive, Amen. and and so we're going to help walk you through those things. Um, but but it goes back to have I had that experience with the Lord to where I have at least in the best of my ability. There's a spiritual thing that we can't quite understand, but to the best of our ability, we have submitted to the Lordship of Christ, uh, and and we're trying to die yeah. to ourselves daily that man okay now i'm on the journey with everybody else and yeah. and so let's let's do this i think one of the challenges that people might have going into the part of the intimidation is that i'm not going to have i'm not going to say the right thing yeah, yeah. or i'm not going to mm-hmm. have the right terms and i think one of the biblical examples that you pointed out and there's several of them where you can look at their story where you know their life has been changed they they had an encounter with jesus their life was forever changed and but the the situation surrounding that story and the wording is used they're, they're all different and mm-hmm. so like if you look at that story with um uh, the disciples if you look at like the woman at the well if, I, I love looking at the the man who was born blind mm-hmm. and you know he doesn't have he doesn't even know anything he barely even knows that who jesus is he just knows that 
you know, he was blind. And literally they said, well, how has this happened? He was like, oh, I don't know how it happened. All I know is that I was blind and now, now I see. I can see. Yeah. Amen. And so you don't have to have it all completely worked out. Yeah. It's just that, hey, listen, and, and that's what I love so much about the personal testimony is that it's your story and people can't argue with your story. Say, who can argue yeah. with your experience? Yeah. Yeah. So like you yeah. talk about, oh, I'm not going to have the right answers. I don't know apologetics. I don't, you don't have to know those things. Mm-mm. You just had to have met with Jesus. Yeah. And if you've met with Jesus, then you just get to go and from and out of that, you could say, listen, I can't answer all these questions. I can't answer the problem of evil for you, but I can tell you that here's who I used to be. And thankfully, because of Jesus, here's who I am now. Here's yeah. where I was headed. And now here's where yeah. what Jesus is doing in me. And they can't say, oh, you're wrong. Like, no, this, that is, didn't this, happen. Is, my, yeah, this <laughs> is my story. I think right. the common denominator in all those differences and variances other than the gospel is the humility yeah. in yeah. how they're sharing it. Yeah. So you've got Peter and John, you've got the blind man, you've got the woman at the well who knows her reputation in town, and she's running back in and saying, man, you got to come hear this dude who told me every sin yeah. I've ever ever made. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like this humility of like, man, now I have hope. Mm-hmm. And even though you've judged, I'm kind of playing into this a little bit, but if I'm the woman at the well, like this entire city has you know judged me to the point where i'm going to the well at the hottest point of the day when nobody else is going to be there but man you've got to come hear this dude who told me everything Mm -hmm. i you you need to hear this i want you to hear this so there's like this humility of like where we realize we've been extended grace by the almighty god Mm -hmm. and now it's on us to extend that grace to others in our life and there's a there's a a level of humility even in paul like Paul of all people should have boast or arrogance, right? To to be able to to be arrogant in who he is, yep. and yet he's constantly talking about. You've referenced it earlier, like that I'm the least of these, like, mm-hmm. um, and just so there's this humility of once we've encountered Christ, mm-hmm. that that we need to be able to convey to others, and that disarms others, right? Because if we come in arrogantly, then then we're proud and yep. and the defenses are raised. Yep. But it's like the cross and the switchblade story that you said. It's like Absolute mm-hmm. humil- humility and faith. Like he's staring at death and he's like, man, cut me up. Just know that Jesus still loves you, man. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I know I hate like zoning in on this. I know time-wise we're getting, you know, the next thing we're going to talk about, I know it's going to unpack a little bit more discussion, but those are great stuff so far. So step number one, who were you before Christ? There is no boring testimony. When did you have your but God moment? When did you come face to face with Christ? No one can argue what happened in your life. And then um, one thing that I've noticed between all of us, when we reference someone who's been saved, none of us have used the term Christian here. We have all used the term follower of Jesus. And I think we're all doing that intentionally because number three, the third thing about your testimony is where are you at now with Christ? Like how are you walking with Christ. Mm-hmm. How's he been working in your life? How's he working in your mm-hmm. life? How have you heard from Christ? How are you following Christ? What are you seeking about Christ? What have you done for Christ? And I think sometimes we get stuck here. You know, we have that but God moment, but um, we talked a little bit before the episode how sometimes instead of, you know, Christ calls us to follow him, not to wait for him. Mm-hmm. Like we're supposed to look for him. Don't get me wrong. Don't say I'm on the. But Christ always says, follow me, follow me, follow me. He never said, just wait on me. Just sit down and mm-hmm. wait on me. I promise I'll come back. He says, follow me yeah. and Amen. look for me, but follow me. Isn't that a big difference between the term Christian 
first of all, the yeah. term disciple comes up much. It just destroys the amount of times how much the term Christian comes up in Scripture. But there's a big difference between being a Christian and a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Well, but if the only reason that they were called Christians is because they followed the Christ, the yeah, Jesus. They were so little they, Jesuses. They were, they, they were little Christ. And so, yeah. like, they followed Jesus so recklessly or relentlessly, and they they pursued after him so radically, I guess is the better word, that they were mm-hmm. like, wow, these little Christianette, these little Christ, you know, little Christ run around. And uh, so I think it, it probably has lost a lot of its yeah. weight over the years. No um, it's not a bad word for sure. No, not at all. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, to bear to bear his name, absolutely. But um, but yeah, it's it's about what what am I doing? How how am I following Jesus? How am I looking more like Him today, more so than I did yesterday? Well, I think too that a lot of nominal churchgoers, let me say it like that, <laughs> will hide behind that word Christian. Mm. They will say, "I'm Christian," and it's a whole lot more difficult to hide behind the terminology of "I'm a follower of Jesus." Because that brings more of a poignant connotation to it. Yeah, you know, to to say that you're a Christian and you fit into a certain religion is a lot different than saying I'm a Christ follower or I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. Hmm. That that connotates more action, more commitment on your part. Um, and when when I think about our testimony and and you know what that looks like now for us. I think about Acts chapter 1. You know, Jesus is about to go to heaven. His disciples are still very politically minded. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about him being the Messiah, setting up an earthly kingdom. Are you at this time, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and basically they say, you know, Lord, I mean, is this the moment now, you know, where we're going to get our positions in your kingdom, basically? <laughs> he says it's not for you to know times and seasons, but he does give them an instruction. He, he tells them, wait here until you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You'll be endued with power. And then this is the key. He says, you will be my witnesses. Mm-hmm. You're going to receive power, but it's not an earthly political power. Right. It's a Come spiritual on. power. Yep. And when you do that, you're going to be my witness. In other words, you're going to represent me. I think about a witness in a court of law. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what do they do? They give testimony. Yep. Two things happen when they give testimony. The first thing is they tell what they saw. Yep. The judge looks at them and says, okay, now on the corner of 4th and Main, what did you see on August the 25th? Yeah. You know, and then they just tell what they saw. Yep. And then after that, they answer questions. <clears throat> and that's as disciples of Jesus Christ, and specifically when we give our testimony, that's what we do. Yeah. And I think part of that third step you're talking about there, Tim, is we ought to be telling what we saw, what happened to us, how we got saved, and what that looks like and what it has been looking like in our life. And then when they ask us questions about it, we just answer the question. Now, Dave, you, you mentioned humility. Here's where the humility comes in. Yeah. You're not going to have all the answers. Right. No. None okay. of us do. Yeah. But but that's an answer in and of itself. Yep. And you just look at them and say, well, can I get back with you? Yeah. And then you, you search for that answer yeah. if you don't have it. Yeah. And uh, the, another thing about Amen. being a witness in the courtroom, there's a lot of authority on their work. Like the the weight of the decision of the court case sometimes comes, most of the time comes down to what the witness has said. And so when you had that but God moment, no matter who you are, how young you are, how old you are, kind of story you have, 
like you said, Acts 1, I was thinking about that earlier as well. We have the greatest authority here on earth mm-hmm. residing in us at that moment when you had your but God moment. So whoever's mm-hmm. listening right now, you have the greatest story to tell. And no one can argue with it. You have the greatest authority that's behind your name because your name is found in Jesus Christ. And um, And you're an eyewitness. And you're an eyewitness. It's not just that you're a witness. You're an eyewitness on top of that. And John and 1 John, I think that's, you know, he says it. He says he's talking about him and the apostles and what they have seen. He said, and we write to you because you can have fellowship with us. You can identify with us because you've met the same Jesus that we walked with. Amen. Well, and here's the challenging thing, too, that, and I know we're wrapping up, and maybe this is an entire different, like a part two of the sharing your story. There's a lot of opportunities on how to share your story, but here's what we cannot remember or cannot forget, that if you would claim to be a follower of Jesus, if you would claim to be a disciple of Jesus, then the way we define a a disciple is someone who has been changed by Jesus, is committed to the, uh, is following Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so that same authority that has saved us for eternity also said, go and make. Go and make. And yep. if you're a disciple, you, as a natural effect, you make disciples. Mm-hmm. If you're not making disciples, then are you truly a disciple? Mm. And so as followers of Jesus, we cannot assume just because we live in a conservative area that people around us, people we live with, people that we live by, people that we work with, are followers of Jesus. And so we have a story to share, and we are mandated by the same God of the universe who has saved us to go share that story, Mm -hmm. to make disciples, and know that it's the Spirit in us that can change. We can't change. Mm -hmm. All we can do is faithfully go live it out. And those stories that we read, the Peter and John examples, stuff like that, they're filled with the Holy Spirit to be able to speak those things. Mm -hmm. And that's our prayer, is that it's not... You know, lofty words of wisdom, as Paul would say, that's coming out of our mouths every Sunday as we preach. But it's a power and a demonstration of the Holy Spirit coming out. And that's the only thing that can change lives. That's right. And so we are mandated to go do that, not leave it up to the pastors or the elders or the committed Christians. It is as a priesthood of all believers, if you're a follower of Jesus, we are mandated to go make disciples, knowing that he's with us along the way. That's Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. You know, one way to kind of bring this to a close today, and man, it's been some good conversation. Like we're all preaching up here now, we're all getting excited, <laughs> but we got to bring it to a close to our goal. But one thing I just want to throw out there for everyone listening: number one, sit down with a piece of paper today. I don't care how many times you've done it; just write down your story. Yeah, write it yeah. down. Don't just think about it. Write it down. And then number two, um, I want you to think back to the first five minutes after the but God moment in your life, when you first gave your life to Christ, think of that first five minutes when you were rescued and redeemed from darkness, lostness, every description we mentioned. Think back to that last, that first five minutes, and when's the last time you've had that much zeal for the Lord? And why aren't, why why haven't you experienced that? I told Dave the other day, we were together, I said, I, I haven't experienced that that five minutes. I think about it right now, and it's just like, I I felt like I literally could just wrap my arms around Jesus right beside me. Like I just, and um, we need to get back to that, and we need to share that first five minutes with the world, like that's been mentioned today. It's like this incredible combination of brokenness and passion. Mm. Amen. Mm. 
Yeah, someone else, I think, Tim, you said earlier in one of our discussions, you know, when you come to the Lord, how he wrecks you. Mm, yep. Man, that is so appropriate. Mm. I think about the Apostle Paul. I mean, we could argue if anyone knew Jesus in Scripture, it was him. Mm-hmm. He, he wrote approximately half of the New Testament. He saw the Lord on the road to Damascus. Yep. And although he was incredibly zealous for the Old Testament and the God of Israel, he did not know Jesus. Mm-hmm. But when he met him, everything changed. Yeah, and everything. then he writes and he says, oh, that I might know him. <laughs> so it's this passion that fuels his life. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, it reminds me of David in the Old Testament, a man after God. That doesn't mean yeah. that he was a man like God. Mm-hmm. It means he was a man in pursuit of pursuit, God. Yep. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that what Tozer says? Like the soul's paradox of love is to have found him and yet continue to pursue him. Yeah, I think it was Tozer yeah. who said that. that yeah. was... that's good. Hey, I would add on, and I know we're pushing. Um, as as they're writing their story, I would encourage them if they're wrestling with what that looks like, add in as kind of an addendum to that who you believe God is, mm-hmm. because I think that plays a major role in who we were before and during that encounter That's is right. the the pursuit of who God is will draw us to our knees in repentance. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and so maybe you can't write out your pre-Jesus story because you're still wrestling with who God is and maybe in the midst of writing it he will wreck you. Yeah. Just on that note, you, there's some really good resources on YouTube as well. There's some crazy stuff on YouTube, but there's also some good stuff. Um, we, we train our all of our team members when we go overseas and do stuff, and then also with our church, uh, a 30-second story, a 30-second testimony. And so we, we, we say, hey, I want you to think of two or three words that describe your life before Jesus, mm-hmm. like three little blanks. So not a five-minute, you know, spilled out, here's, right. I was at my grandmother's house. Dissertation. Something. Right. <laughs> but then, and then the moment that I became, to whether I was, the Lord revealed himself to me, I made Jesus my king, my Lord, uh, and then... Again, another three blanks, um, three things that describe my life now or since. And then we call it like a, you could call it a 30-second testimony or elevator testimony. Oh, like wherever mm-hmm. you're at, you could, whatever context, you know, you're not going to always have five or ten minutes, but you'd have a moment yeah. um, where you can just say, hey, can I tell you something? There was a time in my life when I was so far from God, um, just living a religious life, but I was so empty. But then I met Jesus, and he became the Lord of my life, forgave me of my sins, and now my life is filled with purpose and hope and meaning, and I know what he's called me to do and how he's called me to live. Amen. And how many little moments do we have each day that we don't think we have, but go to Walmart. Yeah. How many moments do yeah. you have there? Go yeah. walk yeah. around your neighborhood. Prayer walks is something our church is starting to trying to do more. Yeah. And how many opportunities do we have for people sitting on their porch or walking their dog? And if you have that, like you said, that's a great point. Uh, that those resources that help you condense your testimony in those few words so you can share sure. yeah. every day. Well, they can always yes. ask questions, like send us questions if, if they are wrestling through this. Man, yeah. I know any one of us would love to help walk anyone through uh, if they're wrestling with this kind of stuff. No doubt. we would. That, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the greatest conversation we can engage in with yeah. individuals. So, uh, Jared, would you mind ending us in prayer today? Yeah, yeah. Let's pray. Well, King Jesus, we worship you the, uh, this morning, and uh, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be your ambassadors, your witnesses. Mm-hmm that you have empowered us uh, to be. And we just pray for boldness as we go out into this world 
um, that we would uh, represent you well everywhere that we go. Um, Lord, give us boldness to share our story uh, with those that we encounter on a daily basis, those that are far from you, uh, who need uh, who need you, who need that hope, uh, who need forgiveness and salvation. So, Lord, we, we pray that as a result of this conversation, that the four of us um, would just have a greater zeal to go. But not, but not only that, it wouldn't stop here, but it would continue to go um, out from those that we meet, those that we have influence over, whether it's in churches or those that may be watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just want to be on mission for you, Jesus. Right. And um, we know that that's why that you have us here on this earth. And so go with us, go before us. Uh, we trust in you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome. Hopefully. That's, yeah, no, that's bit. perfect timing, you guys. Well, thanks for... Appreciate it. Man, this has good, been great. I, I've never done a podcast before. This is my first time. Thanks for the opportunity, and it was really great. Yeah, we we'll look forward to yeah. having you back again. Oh, it's so good. You're-